0: Book impossible to understand?
1: What was hiding in remote Indonesian mountains? Who holds the
0: new record for underwater magic tricks?
1: And did these astronauts make an oopsie? Get the answers to these questions and more on this episode of Knickknack News, a news podcast featuring exciting tech breakthroughs, scientific discoveries, and fun, uplifting news stories without the political drama. I'm Anthony.
0: And I'm Alex. And my first story today is book news. This is from a random local like radio station website which remember
1: you didn't you have a story <laughs> recently from a radio station <laughs> Those are the best. I,
0: remember I found It's kcrw.com I think it's a radio station in like the LA area or something.
1: It's always just a random collection of <laughs> Yeah,
0: right. Anyway, the headline is, 28 years reading one book and no one knows what it's about.
1: <laughs> what is the, what book?
0: It's, the book is called Finnegan's Wake. Have you heard of this?
1: No. It sounds like it's about Finnegan's Wake.
0: What is Finnegan's Wake?
1: I'm what do you guess- think
0: Finnegan's Wake
1: is? I'm guessing like the wake in like the sense of like a funeral memorial service sort of thing. No. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I actually like- don't
0: really know what the plot of oh, the book is. Okay. Because I tried to start looking at it, and I was like, this is, this is confusing. I'll explain <laughs> Okay, yeah, it. Okay, I'm so, very
1: confused already.
0: So um, about a week ago, an unusual book club got together that's been meeting for three decades and has been exclusively devoted to reading a single text out loud, page by page. It's this book called Finnegan's Wake which is a notoriously difficult-to-read novel by the Irish writer James Joyce. So I have heard of this book before. I didn't really know anything about it, but I've yeah, heard the name Yeah, the name, name
1: sounds familiar.
0: So this group, the reason this is in the news is because the group, after 28 years of doing this, has finally gotten to the end of the book.
1: <laughs> Wait, did they read, like, a page each meeting or yes. something? Oh, okay, that would explain they, it.
0: They spent an entire meeting talking about each page. Oh my God. Because that's how confusing the book is. Okay. Uh, and so so they finally finished it, and they ended up looping back to the beginning, and they're going to keep going. They're going to keep meeting, and they loop back to the beginning. And that – it's not even starting over because the way the book is written is that the very last sentence, it ends in the middle of the sentence, and then it, like, it like picks up again with the first sentence of the book. So it's, like, a circular – So it's a loop. Yeah. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> they're trapped.
0: So this – So this article says, it's difficult to say what Finnegan's Wake, published in 1939, is about. Wikipedia describes it as being written in, quote, a largely idiosyncratic language which blends standard English with neologisms. How do you pronounce that word? Neologism? Yeah, that sounds right.
1: Neologism.
0: Portmanteau words, Irish mannerisms, and puns in multiple languages to create a refracted effect. That's what Wikipedia says this book is.
1: So Wikipedia doesn't what, know, either. Yeah, they don't know
0: either. One of the book club members described this book as, quote, almost like tripping on acid and, quote, it is changing your sensory perception because you're literally looking at the words and they don't make sense. And the reason you look at words is to make sense. <laughs> what is this <laughs> like, book? What is this book? Um, so – I, I did okay, like I briefly was looking at the Wiki, Wikipedia article about this book, and it's supposed to be like like the author was trying to make it almost like a dream state like he was like telling a story, but it was like very like weird things happen because it's supposed to be like you're dreaming and stuff, but then there's like different languages coming in and out, so it'll be like it's very it's not like a normal like it doesn't flow normally like there's yeah. just random
1: it's like a, thoughts
0: and ideas and a dream things. about the
1: tower of Babel.
0: <laughs> yeah it's i don't know, know. it
1: sounds unnecessary
0: it's apparently like notoriously just like impossible to understand <laughs> so that's,
1: okay
0: yeah um but it was a famous irish author that wrote other good books so yeah, that's the, why people are like name interested sounds in it
1: familiar so i was like that's yeah. the only reason this is getting any i feel like if it was written James by Joyce. some random person like they everyone would have been like okay, we're going to put this down
0: yeah, I yeah, exactly. think
1: about it again. Exactly.
0: It's because he's a famous writer already. Yeah. Um, towards the end of this meeting last week, which I guess there was like the press was there, one of the group members said, I've read this page maybe a hundred times and I understand very little of it. It's lovely to hear, but to me it has no meaning. <laughs> They're talking about the first page of the book. <laughs>
1: why? Why would, <laughs> like, why would you do this? <laughs>
0: Probably because it's just a fun social thing to try to, like, figure out what the heck it's talking about. But I, don't, I could see that being I don't fun, know. fun I in feel a group like setting after, versus, like, you're sitting by yourself trying yeah. to, like, read this book.
1: But, like, after 28 years, if you don't know what something means, I think you should probably just accept that you're never going to know what it means.
0: Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But it, I, just, I just thought this was this was funny because I was like, I didn't realize – It was, there was a book that was that complicated. Yeah. But yeah, but they just mentioned like the group is just going to keep going because they've now, they've gotten to the end of the circle back and they're just going to start again at page one. I mean,
1: 28 years, why stop now? it's
0: not, it's not all the same people. Actually, this article Mm. didn't mention if any of the current members were like there 28 years ago. I don't know that. They
1: cycle in and out too. (laughs) I just
0: know this group, um, what (laughs) I forgot to mention, I think it's, it's uh, in Florida that this is happening. Okay. Um, But this group has been like the group meeting has been a consistent thing for 28 years, and it like started out at a library, and it's just like the Finnegans Wake meeting or or whatever. So
1: okay, hey, (laughs) it's a that's one way to meet other people, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh yeah, my first story is animal news. This is from msn.com. And the headline is Long Lost Mammal Rediscovered in Remote Indonesia Mountains. I always like when they find one again. They're like, we thought this was gone, but nope, it's here.
0: I love when that happens.
1: Yeah. Um, So scientists have rediscovered a long lost species of mammal described as having the spines of a hedgehog, the snout of an anteater, and the feet of a mole in Indonesia's Cyclops Mountains more than 60 years after it was last recorded. It is called... Attenborough's long-beaked echidna, named after Uh British naturalist David Attenborough. If you're wondering if the name sounded familiar, that's why. Yeah, Um, it was photographed for the first time by a trail camera on the last day of a four-week expedition led by Oxford University scientists. And they didn't explicitly say, but it sounded like their the purpose of this like trip was to find this thing, and they found it like on the very last day. They said, "Wow." Um, they uh. So having descended from the mountains at the end of the trip, biologist James Kempton found the images of the small creature walking through the forest undergrowth on the last memory card retrieved from more than 80 remote cameras. So literally on the last day from the last camera, That's they got what they were looking for. Incredible. <laughs> That's very lucky. You
0: gotta check all your data. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. You can't just get through 79 and be like, ugh, never mind. It's not we be didn't on find the last it. Yeah, it's not gonna be on the last 20. one. And then it was. Um, so Echidnas were described by the team as shy, nocturnal burrow dwellers who are notoriously difficult to find. Um, this particular species has only been scientifically recorded once before by a Dutch, oh. a Dutch botanist in 1961. Wow. Um, there's a different echidna species that's found throughout uh, Australia and Lowland, uh, Lowland New Guinea. So there's another echidna, but it's not this one, which is apparently much rarer. Um, and apparently this, like, I don't know what was going on, but they they survived an earthquake, malaria, and even a leech attached to an eyeball during their trip. Like, all this happened to them while they were on this trip. Wait, like, sorry. trying to find they, this thing.
0: Someone got a leech in their eye? In their eye. That's Ooh. not where you want
1: you don't want to leech anywhere, but especially not there. Yeah. I imagine. Ooh. I don't think you have many nerves in your eye, so it probably, anyway. It wouldn't, like. I don't want to think okay, about okay. it anymore. <laughs> 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 um, okay. This is I mean it's kind of hard to tell but or see it well, Ooh. but like this is from that uh footage. It's a cute little thing. Yeah, it's very it's cute. fluffy looking. It's got a long nose. Um little fluff. Yeah. Little fluffy <laughs> little fluffy, fluffy guy. Um, um and yeah, I don't think I mentioned, but yeah, I can know are monotremes, which are egg-laying mammals. So they're one of the those species oh, of like mammal platypus. that lays an egg. Like
0: pie. Yep, I almost said it wrong, but yep. then I corrected myself. So okay, I did not know that. They're
1: one of the one of the egg laying mammals. Is the echidna cool? So, and this is one of them. So just thought that was neat. Always, yeah, and, uh, oh yeah. I think my mom sent me this article, so thanks, mom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Anthony's mom. <laughs> okay, my next story is world record news. This is from UPI. I love fun world records. Yes, I don't know why. <laughs> so the headline is: Thirteen-year-old breaks world record for underwater magic tricks.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, love a, I love a specific <laughs> world record. I know.
0: <laughs> just take something and just do it underwater. Right, if you,
1: you're <laughs> it's there. Probably, you a yeah. Record. There's probably many things where you could just be like, "Well, I haven't done underwater yet," so. <laughs> right (laughs) i'm not very good at i'm not very good at dry magic tricks i wonder i wonder
0: (laughs) so 13 year old avery emerson fisher combined her love of scuba diving with her passion for magic and broke a guinness world record for doing 38 tricks in three minutes while underwater wow yeah okay 38 tricks in three minutes is actually
1: that's pretty impressive impressive. on land Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. much less underwater
0: Yep. So she put on scuba gear and went into the tunnel tank at the Aquarium of the Bay in San Francisco, where she was then recorded performing 38 magic tricks in under three minutes while submerged the whole time. And she broke the record. There was a previous record, which had been <laughs> 20, 20 magic tricks. Mm. And that was set by British magician, Martin Reese in 2020. So she broke that record and she's only 13. <laughs> And
1: Who knows how many article, she'll be doing next
0: time. <laughs> yeah. Um, this article says that she holds 12 different scuba diving certificates. So she's really into scuba diving.
1: Yeah, no kidding. She's um, gotten one every year of her life except for one.
0: Yeah, yeah hey, that's true. It's years I, I was old, she was scuba diving. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's been on over 30 ocean dives already at 13. So she's very into scuba diving.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Wow.
0: Um, and she says she hopes that getting a Guinness World Record will raise awareness for ocean conservation. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. and and inspire other people to take up scuba di- scuba diving because it's fun. I did try it one time, yeah. and I did not enjoy it. But I think I just I would need more
1: I training. T- I too tried it one time, the same time that you tried yes. it. In fact, and I think, also I believe did not you super were there enjoy it. that yeah. time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you didn't you didn't start hyperventilating as soon as you went under and we're like no, nope, I, nope 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 nope. <laughs> no, I
1: hyperventilated while I was under. <laughs> I don't know this I'm for sorry. F- I I'm don't sorry. know. No, it's fine. I'm sorry, it, like I don't know cool. if this this for a fact, but I'm almost I'm almost positive that our dive was cut short because like I was running low on oxygen because I was breathing too much. <laughs>
0: I don't remember that.
1: Well, like I remember, like somebody said something to the effect of like we need to go back because because, like we're yeah
0: one of the uh, participants of this yeah they did not call me out so
1: that's how I'm like I'm not sure but I'm like I'm pretty sure I was breathing like I was focusing so much on my breathing that I wasn't really even able to like enjoy being underwater. So yeah, it wasn't enjoyable for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Well,
0: that started happening to me immediately, and I was just like, "Nah, I'm gonna."
1: Yeah, I think you made the right choice. I, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that was
0: cool, but yeah, I'm not about <laughs> to,
1: all that to say. Not about to start doing magic tricks anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're not ready to go to Any, that ne- next yeah. level,
1: unless I can do them with my eyes closed without scuba diving. <laughs> <laughs> my next story is spacewalk news. This is from KSL.com. Not sure what that stands for, but the headline is Astronauts on Spacewalk Accidentally Drop Tool Bag, which can now be seen from Earth. <laughs> 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 I thought this was so funny.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Um, so this is NASA astronauts Jasmine Mogbelli and Laurel uh, O'Hara marked their first spacewalk this month with a tool bag left floating through space. <laughs> I Oops. feel like that's unfair. It's just like, they didn't mean. It was an yeah, exit. it's an accident. Um, but uh, the pair concluded their maintenance work outside the International Space Station in six hours and 42 minutes, according to the space agency. Which is, think, like, think about being in that environment for like seven hours. Like, that's,
0: it's a, long that's a long
1: time to just be out there working on that stuff. Yes. Um, so this was a spacewalk on November 1st that saw Mogbele and O'Hara complete works on these station's solar arrays, which track the sun. During the hours-long mission, a tool bag gave them the slip and was lost, according to NASA, with flight controllers spotting it using the uh, International Space Station's external cameras. Fortunately, the tools were not required for the remainder of their tasks, so it did not <laughs> well, that's good. delay their repairs, uh, but it was probably kind of a bummer. Uh, according to EarthSky, which is a website tracking cosmic events, the tool bag is currently orbiting Earth ahead of the ISS and can potentially be spotted from Earth with a pair of binoculars during the next few months until it disintegrates in our planet's atmosphere.
0: Wait, just binoculars?
1: That's what I was confused about, and they did not go into any details about why this was so visible. I was like, you, like... Can you see the International Space Station with binoculars? Because, like, oh, I would yeah, think I, that would be bigger than the bag.
0: I yeah, I didn't think.
1: I know you can like see it go yes. by if you're like watching at the right time.
0: Yeah, but like, I thought you had to have like a telescope at least, like yeah, something like. So. Well,
1: you can like with your bare eyes, you can see like the light of it. Apparently, oh, okay. like I, I think it, I might be misremembering, hearing that somewhere, but so like. Maybe no, I think you're you can right, see though. some part, some amount, or like you can probably make out something with binoculars, it, I guess. It, but it's it just, not emitting
0: that, any light, though.
1: It's just right. a tool bag. So, so that's what I don't maybe understand. Maybe it's like, very reflective or maybe it has a light on it or something.
0: Oh, maybe it does have a light on it. Yeah, it, it's
1: like a specialized tool bag, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, they said... Okay, but
0: that's still like...
1: It's still surprising that you could see. I don't know. I would want to see like somebody take a picture through a pair of binoculars or something to see this thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. But uh, anyway, this, they said this isn't the first time an astronaut has lost tools in space, which is not surprising. Yeah, I feel like it'd be very easy to do. Um, in 2008, Heidi um, Stephenson Piper—hyphen Piper—that's a very long name. Hmm. Uh, her bag floated away while she was cleaning and lubricating gears on a malfunctioning malfunctioning rotary joint. And a 2006 spacewalk saw astronauts Piers Sellers and Michael Fossum lose a 14-inch spatula while testing a method of repairing the space shuttle. And I they. Uh, there's so many things on this that I wish they'd go into more detail in. It's like, what were they doing with a spatula yeah, outside I'm, of the spaceship?
0: I want to know that too. Uh,
1: yeah, so they were
0: MacGyvering something.
1: Yeah, I guess it sounds so. like it's just like is it's like a very big maybe it was a very big uh, flathead screw that they needed to use a spatula to screw it. I don't know, but they lost it. Um, and uh, I thought this was interesting. In September 2023, said so, like. This year, the European Space Agency estimated 35,290 objects were being tracked and catalogued by the various space surveillance networks, with the total mass of objects orbiting Earth amounting to more than 11,000 tons.: So there's a lot, <sighs> a lot of, of
0: space junk: A
1: lot of debris up there. I'm start, I've seen a couple headlines about like ideas for solutions for that, but I don't think anything's actually been implemented, but yeah. yeah, I feel like that's going to be a real problem like real soon.
0: Yeah, that can't just keep.
1: We can't just accumulating keep accumulating forever. things in our orbit. <laughs> like yeah. That's going to start causing problems.
0: Yeah. So,
1: but anyway, I don't think the tool bag is going to be that big of a problem. They said it will probably just circle the Earth for a while and eventually disintegrate in the atmosphere.
0: So yeah, because it'll get it'll get too close because it's small enough that it'll it's like small enough
1: that it'll burn out probably. That
0: it'll get close as it orbits. It'll get closer and then burn up. Mm-hmm. Versus like a bigger object, I think is. It's when they're larger, they have more more momentum, so they don't like come down to the atmosphere, I think, right? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) I just assumed that because otherwise we'd be seeing the space junk all disintegrating all the time, wouldn't we?
1: Probably. Yeah. I'm not really sure why that works. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I thought it was like old satellites and things that are like really big, and so that they're like have the mass and momentum to just keep orbiting and they don't like fall to the earth well
1: they were also like intentionally launched into an orbit whereas this was true. not yeah. so i don't know how that factors it. that's too. true too I don't also know. I'm, it I'm was making some it was not it yeah. was not designed for traveling through the atmosphere on its own like yeah. so many of these things so <laughs> yeah that's funny sorry to the stool bag
0: Alright, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description.
1: If you want to share a story with us about space debris or anything else, you can send us an email at knickknacknews at gmail.com.
0: Alright, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye!